welcome to season three of Love Unlimited with Helen podcast. In this season, we shall open up our borders and explore the vast richness, abundance, and uniqueness of life. We shall dig deep to learn more about relationships in their every single sense. Our guests for this season are equipped with loads of wisdom and knowledge that I'm also eager to delve into as I learn and grow. Hi, my name is Helen, Certified Master Life Coach and Certified Relationships Coach. Love, life and prosperity drive my curiosity and I love delving into all this with joy. What drives you? If you haven't connected with me yet, please make a point to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. Let's continue the talk after this podcast on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And my pen name is Guru Helen. You can also learn more about me and what I'm about on www.guruhelen.com. I look forward to connecting more with you. This podcast is sponsored by Popstar Seize Your Center Stage. It is available on handbook and Kindle version. You can get yourself a copy on amazon.ca, amazon.com, or better still, you can find it on my website at www.guruhelen.com. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we are going to learn about life, business, infertility, coaching, and more about Sarah Willoughby. Is that the correct way to say it? That's perfect. Well done. Thank you. So we're going to learn about life in a dimension almost half of the women struggle with, and especially in the times today where we have so many people going for IVs, considering surrogates, implanting, all this adoption. And fertility is a thing that has been very, very sensitive, especially when it concerns women. We are the ones who have been put right at the end of the tip of the cliff when it comes to infertility. And it didn't start today. It has been historical. When a couple can't bear a child or they can't have children, it's always placed on the lady. So the man can go marry another lady while the woman who might not be the problem is left to struggle and suffer and sometimes ostracized by the society. She has just the calling to talk to ladies, you and I, whether we are fertile or not. She's talking to us and also addressing the men to put their ears to the wall and listen on what she has to say. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Welcome and thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, before we talk about infertility, IV and coaching and business, would you kindly tell our listeners and viewers who will be viewing this on YouTube later what you are about? Who is Sarah Willoughby? Well, my journey has been an incredible one. So I'm originally from the UK. You can probably hear I've got a bit of a mixture of accents. And I moved over to Australia 12 years ago. So I've just celebrated my 12-year anniversary. And I spent a lot of my life working my way up the corporate ladder, spent six years at university, 
and really lived my life through the expectations that other people had for me and what I believed was the path that I was supposed to take. Wow. When, when on this incredible journey through secondary infertility, trying to have a second child, actually turned out to be a journey to self-love and realised mm. that when I faced my own mortality, I hadn't lived my best life. And that journey, that realisation took me on this incredible journey to Australia where I began a new life and left the corporate world behind, came over here, didn't know anybody, had no jobs to come to, threw it all up in the air and life really started to unfold in miraculous ways. And I decided to dedicate the rest of my life to being of service and to supporting other people to find their truth to find their passion, to live an authentic life. And I love it. And I feel incredibly blessed to be able to do this every single day. Wow, that's wonderful to hear. I wonder what took you all the way from UK apart from job? Was it love? Did you, is your husband from Australia or did you just want a total change of place and culture? We had been over to Australia in 2004. We'd taken six weeks out from work and we'd been travelling. Melbourne, Sydney and Uluru we had visited and I fell in love with Melbourne. I had done a lot of travelling before then, but Melbourne for me was that place that I really felt like I was coming home. And I actually cried when I had to go back to the UK. I cried. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to leave. It was the most amazing feeling and was determined to come back here and try to get secondments through work and moved over to Shanghai in the meantime and did six months living over there when my son was a baby wow. but knew that it was going to be tougher to come out to Australia because so many people want to come. Yeah, because of the lifestyle and it's fairly laid back and beautiful nature. It's an amazing country. And so, a wonderful weather. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, crazy so weather. One of, your, one of your kids was born in UK, but the other two were born in Australia. Yes. So my son was almost four when we moved out here. And oh. then I had, I had two girls uh, when I arrived. So within six weeks of arriving in Melbourne I mm. fell pregnant naturally having been through IVF that nearly killed me and being told you may never be able to have any more children I actually wow. and miscarried twins I only Ouch. just miscarried and then within six weeks of being here fell pregnant naturally it was the most amazing journey where for the first time in my life I realized my life I'd surrendered and my life just went into flow. And that's what I try to work with people on is realising the difference between when we push our way through life, uh, when we surrender to life, and we ask the universe to help us to co-create life, and how amazing the difference that feels is incredible. Wow. Was it the stress that was causing the infertility? No, I've got PCOS, so I've got polycystic ovarian syndrome. Ah, so I've got come come again, say that again. PCOS. So, yeah, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's mm -hmm. it's very common. Mm -hmm. Um, you can have polycystic ovarian polycystic ovaries, but not have the syndrome. 
Mm. So it doesn't necessarily affect your fertility Mm. or you can have the syndrome and then you have all the symptoms and the issues that a lot of women have. So Mm. I I knew from my early 20s that that was my diagnosis, but I Mm. fell pregnant straight away with my son, Mm -hmm. had no issues. He was actually born two months prematurely. Um, so on that journey through him being in intensive care and that was pretty challenging but yeah I um but the boy is healthy right oh yeah no he's beautiful he's almost 16 now so um yeah it's pretty it's pretty incredible wonderful so it doesn't mean that just because you have PCOS your kids health may be affected no PCOS tends to affect the mother mostly it is genetic and it can show up in boys, say, say for example, boldness is one of the symptoms that, you know, sort of runs through the genetic uh, link. Wow, but, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the, the boy, can, the, the males can still carry it, but it tends to impact women's fertility and uh, menstrual cycles, etc. Oh, um, tell me of, about it. I, I have I've had... Uh, multiple cysts I think that's the same thing and they had to remove them a while before I got my first one and afterwards they also said I had some but I still conceived so I used to think it has something to do with stress so it just has nothing to do with stress it's a hereditary thing it's hereditary look stress doesn't help fertility in women we know that stress doesn't doesn't help anything in life really you know there's well there's healthy stress but once we get into the unhealthy stress mm-hmm. then it, it isn't helpful but I don't believe that that it was anything to do with stress because I actually conceived my daughter when I had only within the last couple of months miscarried twins oh, and wow. I just moved to the other side of the world to start a, a new life didn't know anybody had no jobs to come to it was a massive risk there was a lot of stress involved in that. So for me, it wasn't about stress. For me, I think it was actually that my daughter wanted to be born in Australia. Yeah, um, she didn't like the dreary, dark, cold weather of England. She had to go. She's a sun, she's on the sunny side of life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I feel that she was a big part of my journey to move mm. me back to Australia to where I felt it was my second home. And how do you help people who are suffering from infertility? How do you coach them? So it's really about recognising the connection between our mind, body and spirit. Mm -hmm. When people are dealing with infertility, there is so much focus on what is wrong with you physically. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of shame around that, which you've already mentioned, and a lot of silence and stigma and a lot of blame put on the woman. Mm -hmm. And I don't think... I appreciated until after I'd sort of been through that journey how critical I had been of my body and of self. And there was a lot of negative self-talk going on because you're on this very stressful journey of going to appointments, being told there's something wrong, being told that there are even more things wrong each time you delve into it. And it's never one thing in particular. They always point at something with every visit. Yeah, exactly. And having to explain the same story over and over again to lots of different people because Mm -hmm. in the UK you didn't see the same specialists each visit. So there was a lot of that going on for me. 
So I try to support women through understanding that if we don't love ourselves and if we don't nurture ourselves and if we don't practice self-care and if we don't understand that we need balance in life and that we it's okay to try and find moments of joy even when we're grieving even when we're having a hard time not to feel guilty about prioritizing self-care being there for ourselves trying to find moments of joy it really does change our whole energy and we know we're energetic beings and it's it's the most liberating journey so for me going from being very analytical being constantly in my head having up, believing facts and figures and now living a life from my heart space oh wow my intuition learning to listen to my body and what my body needs because we have everything inside us and our body yeah. is giving us messages all the time and we fundamentally know as much, often more than what the medical professionals know about what's right and wrong with our body. And when we learn to love ourselves despite the imperfections, that's when things can change energetically and that's when we can open ourselves up to be in the best place possible to receive a, a beautiful gift of a baby. I never promise to anybody that it's going to, working with me is going to result in having a baby because mm -hmm. Other factors that come into that, but it's yeah. about getting the body, the mind, the spirit into the best place possible to welcome that gift and and heal some of the past hurts and heal some of the issues that we naturally carry around with us because it's a very traumatic and emotional journey. Oh wow! I'll say amen. <laughs> And that's also when I look back as you were talking, I was looking back at my times when I was in readiness for a child. There is this feeling of excess love for me and for whoever is coming. And I'm like, I'm so ready to have a baby. I'm so ready that I should have a baby now. If not, I'm going to explode with this expectation of love and joy. And people used to think I'm crazy because they're like, what? It's just a baby. But I'm like, no, my heart bleeds for one. It feels. Yes. You almost visualize it and see it and you're like, yes, I can feel I'm ready. Most people don't get themselves to that stage. They think it just happens. It's like a leaf falling off a tree and it lands on your front backyard and voila, you have a baby. You're and for right. some people, that is the case. For some people, it is that simple. They decide they want to have a baby and they fall pregnant. And, <laughs> and we spend a lot of our lives being taught how not to fall pregnant. You yeah. know, that's, you remember that's that the, was the top when you go out on a date? Don't yeah. get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. I think life has a comedic show in itself because it, when people are told that, they're like, yeah, I will not. But then when they really get to the point where they really want a baby, they cannot have it. Isn't that ironic? Yes. But it's also comedic in that uh, life tells you when it's the right time. It's the right place. It's the right stage. Going out on a date on a one night fling is not the right place to have a baby. When you fall in love, meet someone and get ready to have a baby. Even falling in love with yourself is enough for you to have a baby. 
Yes, that journey to self-love is the oh, most yeah. beautiful journey. And that's what my infertility journey was actually about. I thought that my journey was about having another child. It was actually taking me through this journey to love myself, warts and all, accept myself and oh, wow. allow myself to know that I was enough whether I had another child or whether I didn't, that I was always enough and to seek out to be my best version. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that journey. My children are my greatest teachers, my biggest wow. blessing. Wow. I, I would not be the mum that I am if I hadn't have been on that journey. I don't wow. take them for granted. I tell them every day I love them. And I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't have done that. It sounds silly, but I wouldn't if it had been an easy journey for me. So, how old were they? Let me take you back to the time that you got a miscarriage. How old were the twins when you miscarried them? Um, so, I had, I had two mis- miscarriages. So, I had, Ouch. I had, so my son was two years old when I had my first mis- miscarriage. I didn't even know what a mis- miscarriage was. Oh, so, it was too early to, to tell. So, no, a missed miscarriage is when your body is still pumping out the pregnancy hormones, the sac still grows, but the baby has died, so the heartbeat has stopped. So a lot of women will have a missed miscarriage and they only find out when they go for that ultrasound that, that there is no heartbeat. So that is particularly devastating. And that can be very tricky in terms of, having a natural miscarriage because everything is still growing so at that stage I was I think I was about six seven weeks pregnant so very very early but for me like you said I had already imagined that to be a child I was already planning the future of that child I'd already started turning the the baby, my son's room into the baby's room. Mm -hmm. I was already emotionally connected because I could feel, even though I was so um, few weeks pregnant, I could feel that that baby fluttering inside me. For every pregnancy Mm -hmm. I've had, I've always been able to feel them straight away because I'm quite slim, so I can actually feel quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So that absolutely devastated me, that miscarriage. Mm -hmm. It shook my world. And I then went through lots of trying different drugs and that didn't work. I wasn't ovulating. And I was given the option of either having ovarian drilling or which is an operation which I would have had to wait about 12 months for or go through IVF. So decided to go through IVF. And unfortunately, I was one of the very few percentages of women that Drugs just didn't suit my body. And mm. we'd gone over to Norway to have treatment. So to try and have a holiday, they have really good success rates, try and take the stress out of the process. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. my body reacted very badly to the drugs. There was nothing that they could do to stop the deterioration. They could only treat the symptoms. So wow. I put on about 20 kilograms of fluid in a matter of sort of 48 hours, uh, 72 hours. I had fluid on my lungs. I couldn't breathe. I had an enlarged heart. My kidneys stopped working. Everything just slowly started to shut down. And it was very, very confronting. And it was at that point that I made a deal with the universe. If I am blessed with a second chance, I will spend the rest of my life 
being of service. I would spend the rest of my life trying to be my best version and help other people to do the same. Voila. So, <laughs> so I'd already been through the egg retrieval. So oh. they froze those embryos. Mm-hmm. And I went back to Norway. Once I'd recovered, I went back to Norway and I got pregnant with twins. And I thought to myself, I've always wanted twins. I had this romantic notion about what having twins Mm -hmm. was. It was going to happen. This was meant to be this way. I was so excited. And then I went for my ultrasound and there was a heartbeat in one. The heartbeat had already stopped in the other. And they didn't know whether the heartbeat would start in one and the other one would survive but it wasn't looking good so I had to wait for and it was another missed miscarriage so I had to to wait this out and go back for more scans and got given the news again that unfortunately I was going to lose both and I was told I could never have IVF again because it would kill me so at that point we were reliant on these frozen embryos that were in Norway and making the decision whether we still came over to Australia or not. And I was still pregnant when we made the decision to come over to Australia, but by the time we came over within that eight-week period, I'd lost them both. So it was very challenging, but that miscarriage was easier for me. I think I was more prepared for it emotionally. And I know when I came over to Australia, I just surrendered. And I said, okay. I'm just going to love the son that I have. I've been incredibly blessed to have him. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on our life and our future. I'm trying to create the most amazing, beautiful, authentic life for all of us. And that's what we did. And then nature played out beautifully. I want in. <laughs> the nature said, I want in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So within six weeks, my daughter was was conceived and that was a massive surprise because we weren't really trying and I've got no natural cycle so have no idea um yeah and then four years after that I had another little girl and she was due on my daughter's birthday but then she decided she wanted her own birthday so (laughs) so but she came instantly the minute I said to the universe I'm ready to try again she came she, she basically came that night Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you talk to the universe a lot. I do. Yes. I I listen to the messages that I receive and I now act on that. So I use that guidance and my intuition to live my life and live my life in my heart, not my head. And mm-hmm. I believe that doing that means we are able to tap into our unlimited potential and we are able to create opportunities that we can't even imagine we can't even dream of you know life unfolds in miraculous ways when we get out of our own way wow you went from a place of stress to a place of distress to a place of double pain then took a break and surrendered then nature blesses you double double right on yeah that's wonderful. And tell me about the book you've written. There's a book you've written that's called, what did I write that? Business, Life and the Universe. So Business, Life and the Universe is a co-authored book. So I've written a chapter in that mm-hmm. book. So yeah. It's, it's become an international bestseller. So it's wow. volume three. 
volume three is the one that I've written about and it came out in 2020. So my chapter is about how I navigated through 2020 and everything related to COVID because Melbourne, Victoria was hit very hard by COVID and lots mm-hmm. of lockdowns and it was very, very challenging for people. So mm-hmm. how I drew on my infertility journey and the challenges that I'd faced in 2009 to help me and other people through 2020. So I, I delve a little bit into my secondary infertility journey and give people some advice and guidance around the things that they can do to support themselves during periods of uncertainty mm-hmm. and change. So that's that chapter. And then I have written a book, which the title may change, but at the moment it's Infertility Saved My Life, Healing PCOS from the Inside Out. So that book has been edited and I'm just in the process of talking to a publisher. And if if that doesn't work out, then I will self-publish. Something will come. Something will come. It has to see the birth. Just like the children, it has to see its own birth at the right time. Let's all release it and let it happen. Like you said, we'll let the universe play herself out. And I'm really looking forward to that book because I'd like to know about it. I haven't personally struggled so much with infertility, infertility, but I've had multiple cysts. I know what it is to have cysts to end and having those heavy menstruation cycles that Mm. you feel like you're actually not just having menses, you're you are bleeding your life out. And those were horrible times as I grew up. I didn't know what was the problem. Every Mm. time I went to a hospital, they gave me a drug for this, like you said, and that and that. And by the time I was 20, I was like, I've had it. I'm not going back to the hospital for anymore. From the time I started my cycle, that's around 14. Those were six, seven years. You're in school and you don't know what's wrong with you. I used to Absolutely. miss school for that. There are days I could not go to school because if I sit down and stand up, it's just a flood. No yeah. sanitary towel could hold that. And I used to think one day I'll just get my life out downwards and die because it was so much. Until when I went to the university, that's when I learned about cysts and how they affect you, the cycle and all that. And I was like, why did someone tell me that? Mm. why didn't someone say that to me? And now you've introduced a new way of dealing with it, self-love. Yes, I didn't love myself at that time. I know that. I remember mm-hmm. that those were times I was dealing with identity issues, pre-teenage traumas and family challenges. I grew up in a challenging family and those things all added up. Yeah. But when I learned to love myself, things got a little bit easier. It got a little bit easier. And yes, it's confirming what you're saying. I'm looking back as we talk. <laughs> yeah, now, tell me yeah. about healing. How do you talk about, you've talked about healing. You help people learn to heal themselves. Do you do energy mm. healing or do you do meditation or transcendental? How do you do that? So I learned Reiki ah. many years ago now. So I learned Reiki and another form of energy healing. So Reiki is a beautiful, it's a gentle but powerful Japanese energy healing modality. Mm -hmm. And it really is about going within to find your own answers. I believe we have everything inside ourselves. Our soul has all the answers to every single challenge that we face. 
Mm-hmm. And we just need to learn how to tune into ourselves and get still. So I work with people on an energetic level and because energy has no boundaries, you can work online, uh, like now on Zoom, like we're doing now, or you can do it in in person, which is also very beautiful. And I also do lots of meditation with people as well. People, I think there's still a lot of misinformation around meditation. And certainly when I learned meditation years and years ago, it was got to sit. You know, in a certain position, it was a taboo. It was a taboo to the West. There was a lot of mysticism around it, and it was you've got to sit for thirty minutes every single day, and and you feel uncomfortable, and and that's all changed now. Science is showing that even if we just meditate for two minutes every day, even if we just focus on our breath for two minutes every day, we can increase the space between our thoughts. Yeah. And that helps to calm our minds and helps to create some space. And that's yeah. when we can start to hear the messages that our body naturally gives us. So mm-hmm. I love med- meditation. I get on my meditation soapbox with my clients and they'll say to me, no, I'm no good at meditating. I can't calm my mind down. And I'm like, you're the perfect candidate for meditation. Let's give it a try. <laughs> so we break it down and we just do it bit by bit, step by step, and then build up. and. It really is life-changing. I know for a fact if I had not learned meditation, I would not be alive today because meditation was the thing that helped me through the excruciating pain when I was in intensive care and when I was in hospital, when I was going through all the difficult procedures and processes and just the emotional side, I wouldn't be here. I couldn't have found the courage and the, I I just wouldn't. I know I wouldn't be here. So oh, wow. Wow. And you how what is a success rate? Let me see if you have people like me, monkey brains. How do you how much do you succeed in teaching them to tame that monkey brain? So I think it's about there's so many different types of meditation. Mm. So you can do the very simple focusing on the breath, or you might like a guided meditation, or um, you might listen to so for example what the sound of whales is very very healing so I've got a I've got a cd that I might play in the background and sit in silence but that's playing and I know that I'm receiving some healing that way you can do walking meditations which are beautiful so if people feel that they're short of time Mm. go out into nature and just you'll notice how your mind starts to switch off as your body gets into a natural rhythm when you're walking. And obviously you don't close your eyes, otherwise you'd walk. Yeah, you'll walk yourself into a truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boom. Yeah, but it's almost like you get into this daydream-like state and you yeah. learn how to switch off from what's going on around you, but you still stay safe. Mm. So that's beautiful. I love that form of meditation. And you can do meditations around meeting your spirit guides and um, having, you know, communication with um, your loved ones. And there's just so many different types I of think we'll have another session, Sarah, on that. We are coming back with that one. We will talk okay. about meditation. You'll teach us because some of us think of meditation as that part of just being stillness and in a quiet room and secluded and no mm. external interruption. You just mentioned walking. Oh, yeah, I can walk and meditate. Never thought of that. 
And now talking about spirit guides, I never knew you could meditate and connect with spirit guides. I thought that was a different thing. We'll have another podcast on that for sure. Awesome. <laughs> Look forward to that. Yeah, so much to talk we'll about. Have another, that one will teach us on meditation. For today, let's focus on infertility and how it helps you change your life. How yeah. do you get co- uh, coaches from all over the world when it comes to infertility? And how do you handle them? Do you handle groups or individuals? Or do you have fixed course outlines that you enroll people and then they come in and you teach them? How do you deal with that? So at the moment I work with people all over the world mm-hmm. and some sometimes women just want to work with me. Sometimes you will work with both partners. Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll do individual sessions with both partners um, mm-hmm. and then come together for sessions. So it really is about the way that I coach is that I really tailor everything to the person sat in front of me. So you mm-hmm. have your structure around the things that you will work through. Yeah. But everybody is different and everybody's journey is different. And often why somebody comes to see you, what they think they're coming to see you for is actually not what they necessarily need. So ah. through the sessions, you might uncover something else and you might need to, to sort of dive into that. So my sessions are intuitively based. So oh, I'm man. I'm having a conversation with the universe and with my guys in terms of what do we need to do now? What does this person that's in front of me, what's for their highest good and, and purpose? So, and there might be something that comes up from childhood that needs clearing. So we might do some energy work and start clearing that. You know, we're we're like an onion. So you take off a layer, and there's another layer, and there's another layer, and there's another layer, and you're still like, I'm still going, I'm still going, <laughs> still layers on layers on layers all the way to the end. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody is very different, is what I'm trying to say. So I do the infertility coaching. I also do transformation coaching. So I work with people to help them leave the corporate world or help them improve relationship with self or a relationship with other people or heal past traumas from childhood. And sometimes people come to me and they talk about things that they've never shared with anybody else before. Wow. And it comes up. But nothing will come up in the sessions that that person's soul is not ready to deal with. Yeah. So a lot of people feel a bit frightened that they're going to lie on my table and I'm going to be able to see their entire life. And it's like, well, it doesn't work like that because, one, we don't have time for that. There's a lot of stuff that we've been through. But that will need a few days. Exactly. But they have to be ready. They have to be yeah. ready to, to, for me to be able to yeah. see what's really coming up. They have to, soul has to be ready to, to start healing and to deal with that. So it's, it's a beautiful process. It's, it's absolutely changed my life. and. The lives of so many others. Yeah. So you do couple, couple, you don't do group, group sessions. You do. I'm not doing group sessions at the moment. So I'm tending to work one on one with people uh, because of the intuition and the, the talk. And it's very personal. Infertility is a very, 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 very personal thing. And every one of us, and even the ladies and the men too, they handle it differently and they'd rather not have it in a group. So I do understand where you're coming from. And I just wondered how you, what made you change that into coaching? How, what, what light bulb went on, boom, and you were like, yeah, I need 
district coach. What triggered you? Because I've not heard of any other infertility coach. You're the first one. Well, I'm definitely not the, the only one. There's lots of us, but oh. I think I think for me, I I've always been coaching. So when I worked in human resources for ten years, so I worked for companies like Rolls Royce and Airbus, the plane manufacturer, and I had access to amazing training and development. And I trained and and coached senior managers for for ten years. Wow. So I always had that skill set. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I felt like there was times in my life when I felt that that was all wasted. Like, you know, why did I even work in the corporate world? But, you know, the universe knows better than me, funnily enough. And all those skills were actually helpful <laughs> to what I'm doing now. So I've always loved that side of HR. I didn't enjoy the the union stuff and the legal mm-hmm. stuff and the conflict. But I loved helping people solve their problems, personal and professional and so that's just a natural extension of that. Um, and it took me a long time to actually feel comfortable to share my story about secondary infertility. It wasn't something that I I wasn't comfortable with it because I guess I still had a bit of shame in that and I still needed to go through my own healing journey. Yeah. And I also felt because it was secondary infertility, there were a lot of times that I felt like I shouldn't even be upset about it because I'd already had a child. And so many people go through infertility and haven't had a child. And that is really difficult. That's very, very challenging. They haven't got that hope. They haven't got that that knowledge that their body can physically get pregnant and hold a pregnancy to term, which which at that point mine could. So for me, I guess through writing my story, which Mm -hmm. has been exceptionally Mm -hmm. cathartic, and writing articles and having those published and talking on podcasts and sharing my story. The coaching is just a natural extension of that because I really know the ripple effect of helping one couple to have a baby Mm. is huge. It's not even measurable. The joy that that child brings to that couple, to that family, to that extended family, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So for me, if I if I've helped one couple to have a baby that otherwise wouldn't be born, yeah, my yeah. work is done. <laughs> I love that. And I picked something as you were talking, something about secondary infertility. Is there primary infertility? Well, secondary infertility is when you've already had a child. Ah, okay. So I was going through my infertility journey already having had a child. Oh, okay. And there's a there's even there's a lot more silence around secondary infertility because of the reasons that I just mentioned. Yeah, I so yeah, I never even thought it is common. I didn't even think that secondary infertility existed. I know about primary. If there's primary, mm. the one you never get. But I didn't know that you can get a baby and then it never happens. It just said, well, somebody ran out of eggs or somebody ran out of their male power or something. So I never thought of it as an infertility issue as such. And I'm so thankful that you're doing that. And now, because we will come back, I would like us to get to know some fun things about you. Are you ready? Yay, ready. (laughs) Tell me one thing about that you enjoy doing most when you're not coaching. Just one thing. When you're not coaching, meditating, or having a walk, what do you love? Absolutely look forward to 
doing, maybe at the end of the week or at the end of the day or at the end of the month? I absolutely love being in nature. And that's part of the reason that I moved to Australia. So I'm very blessed to live by the sea. I have mm-hmm. lots of beautiful beaches on my doorstep. Wow. And for me, one of the biggest gifts that I give to myself is watching sunset. So going down to the beach, walking I on the beach. can see the sunset behind you. Yes, stunning. <laughs> yeah, so really, really blessed to be able to do that. So I take my socks and shoes off ground when I'm walking and along walk the beach. And walk on the sweet white sand. Oh, I can feel it. Yeah, I can yeah. feel it. Yeah. I come from East Africa and I know that feeling of the sand, warm, sweet sand. Do you like music? I love music. Music is just one of the most beautiful gifts that this world has created. Like, I just love music. What, what's your favourite kind of music? I love all types of music. So I love anything from dance music to um to jazz, classical, to classical music, to mm. things like Enigma, to whale sound. Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> shamanic music. I absolutely adore You music. also love hot rods. You love the hot rods, hard rock, you know, all those. So you go all the ways. You're very eclectic. Yes, I That's am. Good. I Yeah, I just... For me, it's just about how it how it feels, you know, that yeah. vibration in your body and the emotions that come from that and how you can use music to shift your energy. Yeah. And right. yeah. I do that too. I do that too. What's your favorite dish, Sarah? My favorite dish? Yeah. I don't think it's a dish, but the favorite thing, and it's a bad thing, but the favorite thing that I love to eat, if I could only eat one thing for the rest of my life, it would be chocolate. <laughs> but you know that's also therapeutic. You know chocolate is very therapeutic. This it is dark chocolate. Eat a small cube of chocolate and you'll relax. Yeah. They yeah, even say of, uh, the period pains. Some people recommend having chocolate. So I'm like, when I'm on my cycle, can I have my chocolate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I, in every pregnancy I had awful morning sickness and chocolate was the only thing that I could eat without vomiting. <laughs> yeah you can't vomit with chocolate nobody ever does no you no it'd be a waste <laughs> a big waste <laughs> and you'd be angry after that I don't think anyone ever vomits chocolate that's true yeah. and you I know you told me that you've traveled around quite a bit but yeah. I'm sure there must be a place on your bucket list that you're yet to go where is that there are so many places I have on my bucket list um I really want to go to Peru Uh I really want to go to Vietnam I really I really want to go to the Maldives um I really want to go to uh, places in Europe so I lived you know in Europe as it was at that time for so many years and thought it was on my doorstep and so I traveled further afield so I did sort of Asia and uh, Australia and New Zealand and all those types of countries and places but I didn't travel around as much I didn't get over to Eastern Europe as much as I would have liked as you would have liked to yeah sometimes Eastern Europe can be quite daunting also because of the political climate but I'm told it's a beautiful place too 
I can see you have a long journey to go to travel around. I think yes. you should just start be packing and putting it now. Next year, next five years, next, and just going to all those places. And I just got curious, why would you want to go to Peru? I really want to do the Inca Trail. So ah. that really feels to me. And I would, I would have to do lots of training for that. One of my friends went and she said it was absolutely beautiful, but you have to be very physically fit to be able to cope with the altitude sickness as well. So mm. it's definitely on my list. And I, yeah, I, I had an opportunity to go when I was in my early 20s mm-hmm. before I had children and I didn't go. And um, I do, do slightly regret that I didn't take that opportunity, but. I always believe in divine timing. So it will come back to me when it's the right time. Wonderful. And you know what? When I heard Peru and Inca, the word mystical came to my head. Yes. And I think the mystical part of you is attracted to that, to the Inca culture and all that. Well, I think... One day I'll also want to go to those Andes mountains and see what is up there. Mm, I'm told yeah. these terrestrial drawings and all that. And I'm like, I'd like to see them and make sure it wasn't someone who came at night and drew the whole thing on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sarah Willoughby, it was a pleasure talking to you today about infertility, self-love and all the beautiful things that help us as couples, as women, to move from that place of self-love, disrespect and hatefulness due to infertility to accepting yourself and surrendering to the universe so you can be ready to receive whatever gift that comes to you. Thank you, Sarah. And I know we shall be having another podcast, so I will not say goodbye for you. See you in the next podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's and a pleasure. I will see I will see you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. And that is all we had for today. I'm glad that you learned something, you grew, you enjoyed. And I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, share so that your friends can also learn a thing or two from the platform. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Helen Juma or at Guru Helen on Instagram, Facebook. This podcast was sponsored by Popstar. Get yourself a copy on www.guruhelen.com. And until next week, where we shall invite another guest, learn, grow, and love some more. This is Helen signing out. Peace and love to y'all.